Hey, Pasa, Peaks and Valleys family. My name is TK Trinidad, and I've been in the broadcast industry for about 10 years now. And you wouldn't believe how everything is changing. For example, podcasts. Before you needed expensive equipment like mics and headphones, but now all you need is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First off, it's absolutely free. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. Make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Peaks and Valleys with TK Trinidad. Ciao, guys. Isaac Keyes is a former NFL player, actor, and now plays the role of Diamond in Power Book 4, Force. We discussed how while he was playing football, a few bad real estate deals resulted in him losing a lot of money and trying to figure out his next move. At one point, he only had $6 in his bank account. Life as an actor ain't easy, and Isaac joins Peaks and Valleys to talk about it right now. They say it is the darkest before the dark. But what do you do before the dawn comes when all you have is candles and nightlights guiding your path until morning, until your sight is restored and you can see your way out, your way through, your way to the other side. You push with all your might until the day breaks and your victory comes. This is Peaks and Valleys with TK Trinidad. We have Isaac Keys in the building. I am so proud of you. So I always like to give a little backstory on like how I know people. Um, so Isaac, he goes to the same gym that I go to. So shout out to G Train Fitness. Yeah. But currently in the shy shooting for power. Um, one of the power books. Power is power is gonna be a whole power universe. Um, but that is where you had, you know, the nice background and all that good stuff. But before we get into that, kind of let's get into, you know, a time in your life where stuff wasn't going right and how you motivated yourself to get out of it. That's a big, that's a big time frame. Like (laughs) this one thing, because I know you, I know you played football, you played professional football and I already know, I know quite a few athletes who have, that's a whole story in itself. It's almost like you live two, two very distinct lifestyles. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that's probably happened in the midst of it. But whatever one story that comes to mind where you just thought, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm gonna make out make it out of this one. Um, well, like you said, I I, I like to say, and I could, I tell people all the time, it's like you know most people fight to try to live you know one dream, and I honestly can say that I've I'm live I've lived one and I'm living another mm-hmm. uh, transition to acting. So that kind of leads me to that point to where I feel like that moment in life where I didn't know what the hell I was getting ready to do. Um, it was it came and it just kind of built up, but it came right at the end of realizing that I was through with football, uh, which is, you know, kind of common for a lot of professional athletes. But at this point, it was just like, it was just so much uh, mm-hmm. transition. I thought, you know, I was going to be the athlete that I just kind of did everything, you know, the right way in that sense of where I, you know, like I knew all the horror stories. So I knew all the things. I'm like, I'm going to avoid those things. Um, now, granted, I was an athlete that I was always, you know, I was on the bubble, I was always on the grind. I never was that big name player in the NFL, I never was made a big contract. But I made a little money for the age that I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, but while I was doing that, I felt as though what I wanted to do was try to get involved in more real estate. You know, while right at the last end of the career, let me get a real broad real estate. Now, mind this is 2007 going to 2008, and anybody mm-hmm. that's not real estate or anything that, that, of that concept understand where I'm getting ready to go in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I started dealing with some of my ex-teammates who have done real estate, but me, I'm still concentrating on football, waiting on this. Now, at that time, they would give anybody a house. Like, mm-hmm. you get a good credit, and I show a contract of how much money I was supposed to be making and coming into that season. I mean, they'd throw you a house. And I'm talking about not just any house. I had two multimillion-dollar houses, and I had one that was probably worth a little bit less than a half a mil of mm-hmm. house that I was looking at. And But the way we were doing it, I was making more money then I was there up the front end. Then I was making, you know, playing football. So I was like, oh, okay, this is where it's at. Now, mind you, I wasn't doing a lot of research into this whole thing. I was, you know, I was sitting there, you know, at a young age, trusting some friends. I just knew, I knew the game plan. So mm-hmm. if I thought the game plan, I was like, okay, well, we're going to work the game plan. I didn't know all the details into the game plan. So mind you, in saying this, that, okay, I had these houses, some these houses, I, two, two houses I've never seen, two multi-million dollar houses I've never seen. I've just seen pictures. I've never wanted to go see them in that time. Just, you know, do the contract. Oh, that money hit my account. Great. Love it. So uh, <laughs> um, so I'm just like, okay, let's work the plan. We're going to hold on to it for a year. Then we're going to flip it and make more mm-hmm. money back in again. Okay, great. Pay the mortgage with the money that you get. And those type of things. Man, shit. So that'd <laughs> be great. So unfortunately, one of my friends who I was doing it with, his teammate, passed away. Mm. That was it was tragic, and you know, shout out to his, his whole family and my prayers went out to him. Everything. The other teammate didn't know everything about doing the process. He was learning from the teammate who unfortunately passed, and I'm the teammate who just don't know shit. <laughs> I, but I got good credit, and I got a position to make a cool amount of money that would allow me to get these houses. So, mm-hmm. I'm gone. now, so the time goes by. Um, we don't know, you know, wait for a year to go by, but now I'm paying these high end mortgages with the money that I recoup. Now it keeps on going and things are not going right with the houses. Like we're not, you know, doing what needs to be going. They need to have some refurbishment done to them. Need these things, all these things. So I'm just hemorrhaging money right now. Mm-hmm. Point where I'm not, I'm not, I'm hemorrhaging the money that that I got off the front end. But now I'm starting to go into my own pockets because I didn't know what the hell is going to go in recession. All this that is starting to happen. This and this and this. I ended up and then I then I going back to the same football team. They ended up not signing me, so I ended up going to the NFL, uh, CFL. Trying mm-hmm. to do that, but I'm still managing these houses. I got four houses, one I'm living in, and three houses of real estate, four of them. And I don't know the hell is getting ready to go on. I'm just, just walking away from them. I didn't know no better. So I'm just sitting up here being a. Uh, uh, I can't think of the word right now. Just I, I get upset. My heart starts pounding just talking about it. Um, but going to that point, to make that long story <laughs> still long, um, I hemorrhaged the money and not knowing. So it basically brought out to me not knowing a lot of things. Right. And, Took me back down to a point to where I was ashamed. I was, I felt uh, belittled. I did not know, but I was also angry at myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I started, I was pushing people away who were close to me. And all this was happening with me not even realizing it. And I think, unfortunately, when we are in a learning process of life and learning ourselves, mm-hmm. we don't, we go through things that don't even realize until somebody can actually grab you, whether it's Jesus or God Himself. Or a close friend grabs you and says, "Hey, wake up! Mm-hmm. What you know? You need to learn from these things." This whole process for me was, I had to be able to learn to put my past behind because it was holding my future hostage. Mm. 
And when I was able to finally, finally, and not this is not happening a day amount of time. I remember going to church one time and in, in this in this in this space where I was then, and I was angry in church because they, they weren't giving me the message that I needed to receive. <laughs> like I needed to receive a message. I wanted to answer in church that day. Right. And I was angry leaving church. And, and you know me, I'm not a person that really gets angry. I, I'm, you know, I'm really even killed, but that's because of the work that I've done. But I was angry internally to the, so much that I was driving home and I just broke down and started crying. Mm. I broke down and started crying in my truck. But then I'm looking through the rearview mirror and I'm looking at myself and then I'm laughing at myself too. It's kind of like one of the moves where you're looking at another face looking back at you doing something yeah. different. You wondering. Yes, I'm crying, which I don't cry it's hard for me to cry but it's like it overwhelmed me it's like it was crying and i'm crying but i'm then laughing at myself like what the hell are you doing look at you and laughing at this point till i broke down and at the time you know i'm grown but i called my parents who are my biggest supporters and biggest support group and i'm so glad that they done did they have done what they need to do to be able to be able to pass the book forward to their kids they're mm-hmm. in the position they've done what they need to do because they came from nothing um so I called them and they just were my backbone. They said, what do you need? What's going on? And I broke down and I told them, I told them what I needed and they were there for me from that jump. And that was the initial part of me, of my journey of coming out of this rut that I had dug myself into. Right. I dug myself into such a rut that I realized I was affecting my friends. I was affecting myself. I was affecting my future because I had allowed myself to build all this resentment up, all this anger up, and to be able to feel like I'm angry at myself. It's right. And building all that up becomes what we now know, and everybody talks about a toxic relationship, but toxic relationship is not just with other people, toxic relationships with yourself as well. Mm-hmm. And I had a toxic relationship with myself. And once I relinquished that and relinquished the people that owed me money and relinquished the houses and released all these different things, my future started to change and go ahead so would you say because i i I think i've been in that scenario not your scenario but you know you especially when you involve money and you know you lose a certain amount of money it's almost like that sick feeling like in the pit of your stomach and you 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 don't want anybody you don't want to talk to anybody like the money's gone like there's like you already you already kind of did the fight to try to 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 figure it out and it's just you're 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 this there yeah feeling that that happened when all that was before the cry before the cry happened you didn't want anybody to know Mm -hmm. you didn't want nobody to know because they look at you like what because when you when you really look at it you like i was stupid as hell for doing that when i look back on those deals like what was you thinking i yeah dollar signs and i saw trust I saw people who knew that. I saw a way out of the other situation that I felt like. I was like, mm-hmm. football, I was so angry at football that it wasn't giving me what I felt like I wanted or deserved. Well, I just wanted what I deserved. Right. I was angry at football. Like, football was like a bad relationship sometimes. It's like a relationship where, you know, you love it so much and they can do whatever they want to you and you get angry at them, but then you still allow them back into your life because you right. feel like you need them or you want them. You want them so much. And that's how football was kind of doing me at the time. So I found this other chick, which was real estate <laughs> at the time, who could like provide the things that I felt like I needed and deserved uh-huh. over here. While I, could still, yeah, while I could still date the football <laughs> at the same time, but teach them a lesson. And now right. I have a relationship different because I'm, I'm good over here. You know, mm-hmm. so it didn't have a stronghold on me. So 
I say all to say it's like, yes, I felt ashamed and I didn't want nobody to know them. Every time I had to tell the story, I felt even more angry because it's like I had to tell this person's story and they're looking at me. I feel like they're looking at me with judgment eyes. Right. And I want that. And then you realize the people who really cared about you, really had your back, weren't looking at you with judgment eyes. They were looking at you like, okay, well, how can we get past? How can we help? Right. What you also understand is that as you go through life, and we all have friends that go through or, or relationships or uh, maybe a job, and they keep coming to you to vent. They keep coming to you to vent. You keep on giving your A1 game knowledge. I'm talking mm-hmm. about you should do this, and it makes so much sense to you. But that person's never going to make that change until they're ready to make that change. No matter mm-hmm. what kind of good advice you give them, no matter what kind of knowledge you give them, all you can do is apply it. But you talk yourself to you blue in the face or passed out. That person's never going to make that change until they're ready to make that change. And yep. as life goes on, you realize that it's a journey. And everything that you go through, your what you what you need to do for yourself, the greatest gift to yourself is to just learn from the experiences. And not try to do them again. Learn from the experiences and keep going. And right. brush off your shoulder, brush off your back. Like, yeah, I made plenty of mistakes. The greatest people who you look at have made plenty of mistakes. You just don't hear about them. Yeah, they make many mistakes, and they, you know, they, they label things as failures. But you know, we know what that's those stories. Not really a failure. It's a learning experience. And when you start changing your thought process on that, then now you you walking a little with your head rolls or your head a little higher, your shoulders back because you're like, okay, that was a learning experience. I'm not gonna do that shit again. <laughs> so. I mean, just like kind of this, it just dawned on me. You picked two careers that it, <laughs> that like, and, and trust me, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I was a track athlete. Now I'm doing this TV thing. You picked two careers that like the percentage of being successful and living, like making a living is, you know, there are a lot of people who fail and, you know, yes, you, you got to, you got to a certain level in the NFL, right? But then here you are, like you were saying, like you you had the deals, they fell through with the real estate, you know, you're looking at the back end of your NFL career, but you're still young. Like, that's the whole other thing. So in that point, like, what was it like for you? Because, you know, I'll I'll give this analogy and 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 I live by it. It's like one of those people, people who are an athlete in high school, they tend to think they're an athlete of some sort for, you know, three, four years. And then people who are athlete in college, they tend to think of themselves as an athlete for, you know, an additional six or seven years. But people who are professional athletes in their mind, in the back of their head, they tend to always think they're a professional athlete. But life don't, life is not like that. Right. So, you know, that transition, how was that transition for you? You know, I knew because of my grind, I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to be a professional athlete for long. But at the same time, I feel like I was like, oh, but I still, you know, but like you said, still like, okay, but, but I, but it was so tough trying to give everything I had to try to make these teams mm. that I realized that I wasn't able to put that energy to something else. What what else am I going to do? You know, they, right. they start offering interns. They start offering different things for players while they plan. But it's so hard for a player that's trying to make it in a sport to focus on something else. One, because they feel like they're taking away some of the energy from the main sport that they, that, that, that they love. Yeah. And they love that sport. So it's still trying to find what else are you passionate about? As a professional athlete, it is so like you put so much into that sport that it's hard to even focus on. Like, well, what else do I like to do? That's why it's so hard for the transition, because when the transition happens abruptly, you're like, uh oh, what else am I good at? What else do I like to do? What else do I do? And that's why I tell people sometimes it sets a player back three years once they stop playing sometimes because they got to try to figure out what the hell I'm gonna do. I went through a whole transition phase with a transitional coach who worked in the front office and took another job. He was like, I had to learn because like, okay, break it down. 
corporate world, you keep going up here. Boom, boom, boom. You right. keep rising up on the ladder. NFL, you're rising up on the ladder. But while they're going up here, you rise up on the ladder. And then when you stop, you're here. The mm -hmm. corporate world, you're going. So now you got to try to figure out what's another escalator you're going to get on to keep on going at the age of 10 to age of 30. Mm -hmm. That 30 is old in, in professional sports, especially in NFL. That's old. You got another yep. player that's 21, 22 years old. You're 30. And, you, and you're, you're lucky if you get to 30 sometimes. Exactly. The NFL stands for not for long. Average is three mm -hmm. years. Okay. So I say this and say that I had to learn how to develop into a civilian lifestyle, as I would call it. And that was a transition because if you're not leaving with the NFL's uh, stature or these things on your, your back, like accolades, where people know who you are, you know, that then all you really have is the conversation. Not a conversation mm -hmm. to get you in the door, but it ends about what are you going to do to stay in the door? Yeah. Um, and I go back to the hardest transition really was because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I started doing a personal trainer. I did. Everybody did. <laughs> I, I, because it's like, that's all you know, you're used to when you're an athlete. You're like, well, I know yeah. I work out. You know, so I started doing that. I was doing promotions for Hennessy Black at one point in the club. Uh, when I decided I wanted to start acting, the reason why I got acting because uh, one thing I didn't know what I'm going to do, but I love the creative process. I, I Nine to five would not be for me because mm -hmm. I, I like redundancy and I get bored easy. Like me sitting at a desk doing something somebody else, I, 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 that's not me. And I've been doing myself a disservice. I'm glad I realized that. But so got into the parts of going towards the acting. I started completely over. Mm -hmm. I had $50 my account. I had a, I had only had the house I had in Phoenix, and I was Wait, getting ready. What did you say? How much money did you have in your account? Dollars in my account at one point. I couldn't put gas in my car at one point, and I had a Tahoe, so you know that took a lot of gas. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, I didn't have anything like that. I, I said my parents came through. I was blessed to have the parents that come through to give me a little bump, and then also because of the tax returns, they thought I had all this stuff, these houses. How my taxes was all up? They said I owed them two hundred thousand mm. dollars. I had to hire a tax attorney, who charged normally charged, what's it, five hundred dollars an hour <laughs> to work to 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 fix that. He gave me a deal, so it was only nine thousand dollars when I was there, instead of eighteen or twenty. He gave me a deal, was I'm grateful for. But they got it together to where I had got a large lump sum of of money for. Of that tax return, like sixteen thousand. So I took that. I moved to L.A. Mm. and that lasted about a week in L.A. <laughs> Once you get your apartment and move something to L.A. So I moved to L.A. I mean, I stayed on my cousin's couch before I got a place. I stayed at friends' houses. Um, I did so many different things that I just still look back on it. Like, how did I have the the, the gumption, the audacity, and the the resiliency to do all these things? to continue to push on and get to where I'm at right now. Cause there was so many no's that I was like, I'm gonna turn into a yes or so many ways I could have just stopped and quit. And I don't know where I had that mindset and fortitude to be like, nah, I'm gonna keep on pushing. I'm gonna keep well, on. that's, that's the whole concept of the show. So like in, in your mind, was it something like your parents instilled in you or like, because like I said, both those careers that career paths that you, that you've chosen, like it's not for the faint of heart. So, you know, what what is it in you that makes you just like keep going? Cause there are a lot of there are a lot of there are a lot of valleys in these careers. There's I wish I could take it and put it in a bottle and sell it. That's I'd be a fucking I'd be a billionaire. If I could just if I could take it, whatever it is, take it and sell it, I'd be a billionaire. I, I think it's a multi multitude of a lot of things. I've always been an underdog. 
Mm. I don't care from as being growing up, I was I was put in the friend zone, dating women, friend zone in middle school like that. I was a little chub, athletic chubby, and I was just like I, I had good conversation, but that wasn't what they were into at that point. You uh-huh. know, I I started to outgrow that part. Uh, played it was good at all sports, athletically, baseball and football were the two that stood out. Um, then you know I started getting burnt out on baseball, leaning towards football. I was played out of position, so I didn't get a scholarship. I walked on mm. to college. I walked on to two different schools. I walked on North Alabama my first year. They played me a tight end. I don't play offense, but they feel like that's where I would play. I didn't like the school. Mm-hmm. I transferred to Morehouse. I'm not a quitter, but it was like I knew that wasn't college for me. Mm. You know, I, was at, I didn't feel like college, and I wanted experiences. People tell you, like, you know, best time of your life is in college. It is. Mm-hmm. It's one of them. I transferred to Morehouse, and then I had to set out a year. Then I played, and I started for three years, and I earned a scholarship there. Then they was like, well, you had an opportunity to go to the NFL. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. You're just glossing over. So I, for my folks who don't, for my folks, like I I like I, I understand it because I, I'm in I've been in that position. But for my folks who don't know, being a walk-on and then and then going to three different colleges and then earning yourself a scholarship while in college, that is not that is not an easy thing. Like it's like I didn't even know that about you. Like that's, I my every time I tell it, like it's like because it's, it's, I've tell it so much, but it, it motivates me. But I'm still looking at myself like, damn, you did that. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I still at, what, 20, you did. 2021 around. You said again. How old were you? Like 20 or 21 at the time? Yeah, I was. I transferred to Morehouse. So I was 18, going on 19. So 2021, 20, and I yeah, and it's so much little things in between that. Like I fought. Fought to keep the head coach there because we, we lost our first season, like, on 11. And we went on 11. Like, we lost every game. Like, you know what I mean? Whether it was by the one point or a lot, we lost every game one year. And I didn't even know how that felt. I was like, that that did something to me. And they fired that coach. And they wanted to keep it. And they wanted to get another coach. I'm like, this team, even before me, has had three different coaches before I even got, in, got there. We need some consistency. I had to... I had to sign a petition and fight the school to keep the offensive coordinator as a head coach just so we can have consistency. So I had saw the underbelly of the school. I saw the underwear. Like I fought for that to keep that guy there. And we, we he, they hired him. We went two and eight. Then the next year we went eight and three. Like that was the biggest turnaround from that on. They had winning seasons from that point on until, you know, you know, things like after me. Like it's, it's so many things. And then even as we're going to the NFL. And then you go to the NFL. Like that's not. <laughs> that's just as like, there's so much before that. Like you know, I didn't have any guidance going to the NFL. They said get agents. You know, see the only people you see are the people that they generally draft pro days. These different yep. They're not seeing these guys in Division Two schools. Like I didn't know how to get an agent. Agent wasn't necessarily coming to find me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about pro days. When I was who was going to train me for the pro day. What I'm supposed to necessarily do. I didn't have guidance in that words. I'm searching and finding one agent. No, go to this agent. Okay, whatever. You find somebody on your level. That you are same way it is as an actor. You find an agent or a manager at the level that you are. You're not going to get William Morris or CAA or APA mm-hmm. at that level. You're going to get someone at the at the level you start out at. Even then, had a great pro day, better than some of the players that were coming out of Division One schools. But because I mm-hmm. went to a small school and HBCU, I'm not looked at as the same uh, competition, the same level of play. Um, so, but then Minnesota called and said, "Hey, we're going to think about we're going to pick you up in the late round, seventh round, or the free agent." I was like, "Wow." Okay, take that as a grain of salt, you know, but okay, that means something. Right. Draft day came and went. Mm. 
I wait for my little, I had a little phone too at the time. I, <laughs> I wait for my little phone to ring. Got, Scout called me, he said, hey, Isaac, his name's Roger Jackson. He was a great, and I owe a lot to him. He said, hey, they did some things behind my back and they filled the roster up. I said, okay. He said, but I'm gonna do everything I can to get you in. It's like, all right. Stomach drop, I'm at that phase. That's another phase when people, everybody like this, when you leave a college, and you don't really know what you're going to do. Your parents saying, hey, you're going to be off the insurance. Uh, you know, you, you're not going to be able to do this. So what you going to do? Um, you know, what, what are you going to career-wise? What are you going to get other people to school? Like, I'm going to grad school. and such. <laughs> I was burnt out on school. So I was like, once I was through college, I was like, college is, eh, like, it's fun. It's great fun. But education-wise, it's like, okay, it's what you get from it. So I know what I was going to do. My stomach dropped. I don't know what I'm going to do in life. I'm like, I got to pay the rent for this apartment. Work study getting ready to stop. <laughs> Financial aid, whatever money is like that, getting ready to stop. I didn't know what I was getting ready to do. I was getting ready to go to Teach for America because I, I enjoyed teaching because it was redundant. It, I mean, it wasn't right. redundant. I'm going to do it every day. I was like, maybe I do Teach for America to teach me how to teach, put me in some inner city school. I can help the youth. Like I was doing a month later, but my Morehouse mom, I said, I was going to start working on Morehouse mom. I said, boy, if you don't get out there and continue your dream, continue to keep working out and just see how the cars fall. You know, I'm gonna beat your butt. That's <laughs> what you basically told me. And I was like, all right. So I kept working out, kept working out, kept working out. The scout called me on uh, a month later, Memorial Weekend, like Memorial Weekend in May. Draft like April 21st, called me at the end of May. He said, hey, Keys, uh, you know, I, I got the linebacker coach on for the Minnesota Vikings. He wanted, they want to bring you in for a workout and put you on the phone with him. He came on, and all I could hear it. I never, never seen it look like He's like, hey, uh, Keys, you know, if you, if you, we're gonna bring you in for a workout. And I said, Okay, coach. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah. well, you can you can pack a big bag or you can pack a small bag depending on how good you think you are. Mm, yeah. Challenge. I said, okay, coach. Well, I'm gonna pack the biggest bag I got, and I'll see you in Minnesota. Thank you for the opportunity. And click got the phone. He picked me up. Did a workout. Did a green cane. Walked out. May he rest in peace. And he said, we're gonna sign you to a free agent contract. And that was the start of the rocky up and down journey of NFL, <laughs> the other phase of my life. But that's how I got there. So every point, and the same as you were saying before, is I've always been an underdog. So I've always, I think that's what instilled. It's like, I just always had this tenacity about me. It's like, I wanted more for myself. Mm. I've always, my father always instilled in me to be twice as better than anybody else, especially as a black man. You got to be twice as better, whether it's in the workforce or on, on the field, than, than anyone else. And he always instilled a work ethic. Be the best that you can be. If you're going to be a dishwasher, be the best dishwasher there. So always through my life, I always felt as though I'm going to be the best I can possibly be and put in the work to do so. I just always wanted more. Mm-hmm. And my biggest fear always in life was not living up to my potential. And I still feel like I have more things to tap into for myself. So I think that's why I push so hard on different things. And I think that's what's gotten me to this level to where I'm at. It's just the tenacity to always try to be want more for myself and not be content in a sense. So would you say that because you, like the, the stories you've given, it's still one of those things like was, was your dad the influential part or like is it because it sounds like part of it's genetic. It's like in you just yeah. like like you're, ne- you're never you're never going to quit. It's that's just what it is. Do you uh-huh. think it's like something from your parents or is it something generational or is it faith? I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't say it was my father who instilled it. I mean, yes, my father definitely instilled that in me. I think he instilled that in me and I think there was just something also just out of life that clicked as well too. 
Because mm-hmm. even my parents looked at me sometimes, looking at me like, "You ain't do what?" Like, damn, that boy, that boy figured it out, didn't he? Like, you know, I don't, you know, it's really a great question because I don't know one, you know, specific thing. I think it was life as it continued to go, and as I just continued to learn. But honestly, I mean, it's the it's the power, it's the universe, and it's God because it's something He wants He wants me to continue to go and continue to do. Mm-hmm. And no matter any setbacks or going forward in life, it's, it's just worked out. And I'm at a place now where it's like I'm so intrigued with learning and I'm so much more understanding and woke to what things are going around and how things are happening and what's going on in the world in the sense that it allows me to, I don't know, feel like I'm in a better place spiritually and where I'm gro- and how I'm grounded and who mm-hmm. I live my life, who who I involve myself with and understand that I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to be apologetic for that. Like your energy and how you move is your, you know, is your responsibility. Your happiness is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. The choices that you make are your responsibility and the blame always falls back on you first. And when you understand that, then you take a lot of the anger and the pressure off from other things else. And you start looking at like, okay, well, what could I have done different? Right. Yeah. It just it, it's from from an outsider looking in sure. and it just it just seems like you're just so set you're centered and it, mm. and it and it, in times of life when you when you finally get to that grounded place and mind you like we go in and out of that because you know life is life yeah. but then opportunities come once we've kind of grounded ourselves I and agree. that's just what it, that's just what seems like it happened for you like you know with this second or third or fourth or seventh phase that you're in right now <laughs> you know you were grounded and now now you're in chicago with this amazing opportunity not opportunity yeah. you work for it but you know tell everybody about because I, I i love this show but tell everybody <laughs> about you know power who you're gonna be and all that good stuff how it came yeah um well definitely so as we talk, and I love what you're doing with this show because I feel like it's very inspiring to a lot of people and can help a lot of people that know that they're not the only ones that's going through their their, their struggles. Just know it's their journey. Um, mm-hmm. so my journey has led me to Chicago, and right now I am uh, working on Power Book Four or Power Force, as we call it, and it's the spinoff for Tommy Egan from the original Power. So you know, this I'm part of this Power Universe, as you said earlier, where they have power, then they went to Ghost, then they will have raising Canaan, and then they will have ours, power, force. And I play a character named Diamond Sampson. And I think I'm just, you know, we talked about, I felt like this character was written for me. They didn't know me. They didn't know anything about me when they wrote this character. But when they wrote and I read the breakdown for the character and did audition, I was like, this is me. This guy, this guy is a guy who was raised um, raised hard up. He had to raise his, his brother, but he 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 always battled between the streets and kind of morality. And anybody knows or anybody that can relate to the streets is that's uh, a big that's a big difference in the tactics because one in one way in the streets you have to be hardened, mm-hmm. being soft or having more of the values in some sense can get you in tough situations if not killed. Um, 
He is, you know, as they wrote in character, they said he has zen-like eyes and he's built like granite. I said, oh, that's me. That's me right there. <laughs> facts, guys, facts. You just see the shirt, but his ID, the whole situation happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. But then when it really, when it got down into more of the intangible, the personality, like I know in my own life, like I'm, I'm in a place where you said I feel more centered. I feel like there's a lot of outside influences, a lot of different things, but sometimes I want to be the irate black man. But being mm-hmm. six foot four, 245 pounds, you can't just be irate because you walk in with a presence already mm-hmm. under the mirror that people can be, you know, be a little intimidated by. But sometimes things happen and, you know, I, you know, you say, oh, I, you just seem so cool and calm. It's because I've worked on that, but I'll be wanting to be angry as fuck sometimes. Like, I, it's times I'm, like football helped me with that because I could use those outlets. Sports helped me with that. That's why I work out all the time. That's mm-hmm. why I do things like that. But I understood the dynamics of how you have to one side is pulling you this way and the other side is pulling this way. And then you have people that you love that you want to do for, but they not doing right. There's so many different angles on this thing. That's just my, that's just part of my character. You bring your Tommy to the crazy. Now everybody wants to know what the hell is going on with Tommy. <laughs> so I just, I just know this. I know this, that I feel in my bones, it's going to be a great show because I feel like so many people have followed uh, power, but not, but not only that, but follow Tommy and Joe Segura mm-hmm. is not only an amazing actor, but just an also amazing person. And we have a cast that we have, you know, we've already gravitated to one another where the chemistry is just so electric uh, on set and in these scenes. And I'm just really excited and I can't wait to people that are able to see it. Yeah, it, it, I mean, just by the post, it looks like you, because people don't, the Instagram is such a strange thing because like people don't take pictures of people they don't like anymore. So it's like if you in the picture, legit, that means like you know we at this moment we we yeah. good with each other. So it looks like it's a good a good thing um a good thing going. But I mean we talked about your football career, so let's let's talk a little bit about the acting career. I mean it's these interviews are really not meant to be this long, but like I said, <laughs> you had five or six different life life changes. So I'd be remiss not to explore the acting. Um, because again, acting is not for the faint of heart. Right. Um, I know plenty of people who've been in the acting game longer than you have, and yeah. they haven't they they haven't made it. So sure. you know there are a lot more no's than yeses, and you know you get to a point of, you know I know a lot of people who just pack up and and move back to wherever they came from. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the acting journey. Like you know you transitioned from football. Now you you've decided that you're going to be acting. Yeah, I mean, some people say that I maybe I took too many hits in the head playing football, and that's how I chose acting. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with them because, um, I mean, like I said, like I said, acting just drew me to it. And you look back on life, you'd be like, "Well, how were you drawn to that?" It's like I don't really know. I was just kind of pulled into it. I was like, "Okay, I think I like this." And you take an acting class, you're like, "This is interesting. This is really, really different than really well because we have so many layers as a person, and we have so many." Layers that we don't want to show people. You know, vulnerability mm-hmm. is probably one of the, the hardest things to really, you know, accept. But it's really so much strength and vulnerability once you accept it. So the acting journey, I, I, I basically just I jumped in the acting class. I had it wasn't nothing popping in Phoenix where I was staying at, so I moved to LA, jumped in the acting class. My mind was blown, but I realized it was therapy. It was mm-hmm. so much there because you had to tap into yourself and get to know who yourself, who you are, in order to be able to portray that into a character, find the truth into a character. So I really just I did a lot of odd jobs. As I mentioned earlier, I did I worked at a group home night shift so I could do acting uh, auditions in the daytime. And I was glad because the kids were asleep and I didn't have to deal with them so much. So 
I try to do that, and they wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, shit, man, damn, I got to do this. <laughs> you be like, way scared, but at the same time, like, all right, going back to your room. <laughs> so I worked in a group home, and that's actually where I met one a guy named Gino Brooks, who was uh, he got me a job, who was aspiring writer. He's come such a long way. He came up with a, a web series called The Therapist. I said, man, let's do it. I'm tired of winning auditions. He wrote his things out. We shot it. I don't know how we shot it. We made it work. We shot it. It was before the web series time where it really blew off, blew up. We didn't have, before Instagram was really popping, all that stuff. So we, you know, everything we did was like email everybody, watch it on YouTube, this, this, and this, and you know, try to do some Twitter or whatever and build a YouTube channel. Still, the series still is really good to me. But you know, a lot of people said it was good. But if you want to go to YouTube, it's called the therapist. That was the point of the first things. But I say that to say is that I did a lot of our jobs to fund the dream. Mm. So I would say people have to, when they come to the acting, they think, you know, it may, may pop off, but you don't ever know when it's going to pop off. You'll get a job and then you won't have a job for another two years or right. six months. So you just don't know. So you have to find ways to fund the dream. And that for me, that was working at a group home, security at a, uh, a club and doing that for a while. And then I ended up getting a security guard role. I had a commercial doing security guard. I had a control, uh, control room security guard on Jurassic World where I couldn't oh, keep anybody yeah. in the control room, but I, I did my job. <laughs> So, so, I mean, but it led to other things. So throughout this journey, you're funding the dream, but you're also working on the craft. Now, the biggest thing is just also working on your mind because you're going to have people tell you like, damn, you know, you, you still working on being an actor or you, you know, you actor or your parents might like, well, you need to just go ahead and get a corporate job and get, so you can get, you know, have a, you know, some stability and have a, a check. Care. Exactly. And you don't get all those outside influences to pull in. And you're going to feel like, well, damn, I'm getting older. I want to have a family. I want to have kids. You're going to have all these different things that come to play. And they're, granted, they are valid. They are valid thoughts. But are you able to put them subside to the side or, you know, subside them to be able to keep on pushing for your dream? That depends on the person. That mm -hmm. depends on the journey that that person has. But for me, I was able to do that, to push those things to the side, continue to work. It was not easy. And it's still not going to be easy just because I you know, have a role on this show. I mean, you don't know, it's still going to be, I still got to find the next thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, push this and let the cards fall away. Man. All I want to do is add value and authenticity to this character and help my castmates and the power book universe be better, do my part. And then everything else, the cards going to fall. I can't control anything else. So I'll say this, I think two points is you fund the dream. And just continue to believe in yourself, work on yourself mentally, physically, and all the aspects. So you're whole and you can deal with all those different challenges that come to play. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So I think you kind of answered it. But the last question before we get out of here for somebody who kind of answered it. Shit. <laughs> um, the last question before we get out of here, for, like for somebody who's in that valley, whether they're acting or they're an athlete or just life doing life things in one sentence, what would you say to encourage them? Like, what did you say to yourself and what would you say to somebody else? I did all that talking. And you want me to narrow something down to one sentence? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> believe in yourself and work on yourself. That's there something. it is. Yeah. I love the fact that you said I did all that talking. You want me to do in one sentence? I mean, sometimes it's the one sentence. I be need so I be need somebody to tell me this one sentence because I feel like there's so much of the story. I be wanting people to grasp onto every, you know, like to be able to have all the information so they can pull from. Because I be wanting to help people. I be wanting to help. Right. I'm going to start to help oh, people. Yeah. 
trust me, I, I know, like we we kind of have similar stories where like it's the same thing. I just keep grinding. Like there's no, there's no such thing as can't and no to me, but the professions that I've picked. It's a lot are, of no. Yeah. This Even is, if they don't tell you directly, it's still no's. Like you just don't get a call back. That's a no. That part. <laughs> The entertainment industry is not, and even even being an athlete, it's not a kind. They don't. I mean, then you're, sometimes your body betrays you, That's and then sure. and then where are you? So I, I totally understand. But I I want to thank you for the bottom of my heart because I know you're busy and stuff is about to pop off. I want to thank you for the bottom of my heart for sharing your story because, like I said, people, you th this show is just meant for like you're gonna do the interviews and you're gonna talk about the show. And that's great. And that's great for those platforms. But this is really just meant to inspire people. And, you know, your journey, because you were rambling off some stuff and you were just like, yeah, this happened and this happened. But that those things can inspire somebody to continue forward sure. where they, they didn't see a way. So I just want to thank you. I want to thank your folks, your dad for inspiring you and whatever that's inside you to keep going. Uh, all of that good stuff. And I look forward to uh, you just doing big things and just achieving all your dreams. I appreciate that. And I receive it. And I also want to send that back to you. Continue doing your, your thing. You're going to be a success. You're already proven that. You look great. Your hair looks great. And I love everything that you've been doing. Every platform that you've been working on, it's been great. And I support you in every way I can. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Peaks and Valleys is produced by Josh Rodriguez and TKO Productions. Spoken word and voiceover is done by yours truly, Lem Gonzalez. Thank you for listening. And remember, after the darkness comes the dawn.